Okay. Do you turn with me to one verse in Isaiah 61? What a beautiful day we had today in, in the Lord. And uh, Pastor Pete Westera's message today at the face-to-face was amazing. We had uh, administered to the family and to all of us a lot. And, and I'm just so thankful for the reality of the body of Christ, the reality of church life the reality of what it means to us to have a church, a lively, living church, to have words, words, and the anointing of God teaching us, preparing us in life. You know, uh, we, we are blessed. I was saying to my wife yesterday, Again today, I think that we have had three we- uh, three weddings, haven't we? Yeah, three weddings in a year, and the Lord gave us to our grandchildren. We have Bensku, Mika, and Bensku. The Lord gave us a great man, Bensku, and then my uh, grandson John John married Hannah and. I tell him he won the lottery when he came to getting his wife. I mean, the Lord gave us in our, and there's no guarantee. Who knows how life works? Amen. Who knows how life works? And then we had uh, my son Kyle married Deb and another treasure, another treasure, beautiful. So we're, we are, my wife and I often reflect and it's not about it's not about good things or being blessed as people in one way. It's it's something more. It's that um, trouble is part of life. Trouble. I, I don't want to be gloating or or waving some weird banner, but I would like to glorify God and say that He answers prayers and He helps us in many ways. And he's a friend of publicans and sinners, like we said at the 11. And, and that's so amazing that, that the, his whole system cannot be mixed with the other system of the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. The, it doesn't work. He's saying, I am totally I am totally of another spirit. My my ministry is not that way, that way. It's this way. I give grace to the publicans and sinners. I sit with them. I have many of them around me because I I am God. And in my presence is fullness of joy. And that's a beautiful thing to be in the presence of God, where there is joy. Uh, one thing recently, I've dug out, uh, Ula helped me, I got a pile of my newsletters from the 1990s and early 2000 when we were living in Hungary, and I've been just reading them and thinking about about uh, what we did, what happened, and so on. And, and uh, I am... Um, 
very encouraged, very encouraged that, like Psalm 1611, in my presence is the fullness of joy. And whenever people are around you and I, when we walk with God, we have a freshness about us. We have the spirit of the Lord with us. And people are attracted. Like when it says Jesus sat with them and many came to him. Many of these people came to him. Because they, they had the, the feeling of it or the sense of it that this is, this is amazing. And to go back as I, as I'm doing with those newsletters, just to think about it and to glory in God of what he did and what he can do in life is so we, we want that to be communicated to people. We want people that have had a hard time to find God and in his presence is that joy and that grace. So it says it here in Isaiah 61 in verse uh, 3. This is what the Messiah does. He appoints unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. And if you think of sacrifice, you think of ashes, you think of burning like fire, and you think of burning animals and sacrifices, you see ashes. You can see ashes um, in, in different ways, in disasters and tragedy, you see ashes. But for God to give us beauty for ashes, this is, in a way, how can that happen? How can you take ashes and make something beautiful out of ashes? Where can that come? How can that happen? God is the only reason, the only answer. The Messiah, the dead child, the dead son, and the Messiah, and it's beautiful. The disciples forsaking him, ashes, then they are apostles preaching beauty for ashes. The Apostle Paul murdering Christians becomes the, oh, King Agrippa, I wish you were like me. I wish you were like me. Oh, Agrippa said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Yeah, please, Agrippa, come on, come on. Almost persuade you. Come on, come on, make the decision. I want to persuade you. Don't say almost. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Beauty for ashes. Wow. It's got to be that way. So verse 3, the oil of joy for mourning. And I like that. I think we, we have the spirit of joy in our hearts. I always love the beginning of Bible college, another semester. It's a miracle to me in my mind that, that, that this is another semester. This is another work of grace. 
students will come through those doors excited. They will go to bed at night excited. They will have the spirit of joy. Um, it, 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 it happens every year. Every year it happens all the time. There's a spirit of joy that happens in Bible school. Uh, coming to our meetings and finding God and maybe also maybe a prayer meeting with a hundred people or two hundred people. I look forward to that this semester. And we just have a, a time of prayer one, one evening and maybe, and do it on a regular basis in a fresh way and to have the, uh, oil of joy. I like fresh things, not in a program, but I like it when the Lord leads and says, now's a time for this or now's a time for that. I, I love that. That's a beautiful thing. So we are waiting on God. And then the last one, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Do a little test sometimes in your heart. Can I praise God? Can I slow down, be quiet, and have the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness? Praise God in the morning. Praise God at night. Praise God in the middle of the night. Praise God for the good things. Make a big deal out of the things that are simple. We had a picnic. We had a picnic. I did that today. We had a picnic. We had a picnic yesterday. It was a sweet time. We had a beautiful time. And that, I don't expect everybody to go to everything, but those that went, I was so happy to be with them. And we had a picnic. It was so nice. It was beautiful. Great day. Great people. Beautiful time. We had a picnic. Thank you, Lord. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. These three things. Isn't, is it three? Yes. That they might be called trees of righteousness. You know. Righteousness does that. Say that. Roll the R. Can you roll the R? Righteousness. Go ahead. Righteousness. Ah, we are the trees of the righteous. Yeah, we are righteous. What happens when you are righteous? These, these things happen. Beauty for ashes. Joy for mourning. Garment of praise. Because we are the trees of righteousness. We are righteous. Where did you get it? From Jesus. Why do you make good decisions? He is righteous. How do you overcome temptation? Righteousness. Where, Where does that come from? It's imparted to us. It's imparted. It's the Holy Spirit is righteous. And he dwells in us. It's where our joy, our strength, our praise is coming from. God is righteous. And he's made us trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. I'm just finish. How many of you are gardeners and planters? How about it? Some of you? Okay. How many of you watch your plants die? How many of you, we bought a house, a beautiful holly tree, 
By the time, within years, it was dead. I go, why, why is it dead? We moved in? Why, why did that happen? It, we killed it. I don't know what happened. It died. All right? So we plant, my wife and I, we plant things at times. And, you know, we all go to, the, to, to get the deal, you know, at the end of the season and everything. Uh, how about deer eat our plants? The deer eat our plants. How about you guys? The big rodents. The deer eat our plant. How about, uh, I have no idea. They just die overnight. They're beautiful and then they die in the middle of the night. How do, why does that happen? Another plant lives, another one dies. It's the sovereignty of God. Listen, you are the planting of the Lord. He has planted you. You are a tree of righteousness. You have something, a righteousness. You have something that's not from the world. It's from God. And this is why we are known as the happiest people in the world. We do the best. I believe we study better. We go to school better. We go to work better. We live better. Our families are better, and we die better. We do everything better than the world. Everything better. We rejoice more. We are more thankful. We talk better. We're smarter. Not that we're smart in ourselves, but the wisdom of God is with us. We have something to say sometimes, and we are smart enough to know to keep our mouth shut when we don't know what we're talking about. We're, we're, we're gifted by God. Isn't that amazing? We are the planting of the Lord in these great days that the world needs help. So, um, we have a ministry. We have a ministry of joy, a ministry of life, a ministry of encouragement, a ministry of love. And pour it on this week. Why not have this week the week of grace? Pour it on. Everybody you see, pour it on. You look very good today. What happened? You look very good today. You are improving every day. You are nice to be with. You are a pleasant company. You are an encouraging person. Even you can say to unbelievers, you are made in the image of God. It's so nice to work with you. It's nice to be with you. I am such a happy person. I am so thankful for so many things we have. Oh, thank the Lord for what we have. What do we have? We have beauty for ashes, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then we have uh, the oil of joy for mourning. Amen. How is everybody? Good, 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 good. Hey, let's all stand up together. Let's all stand. Well, that's usually for worship. We'll just worship right now with the Word of God. Uh, great to see all of your beautiful faces. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 22. And we're going to read verse 41 and 42. I feel like... Um, the drawer of a desk with like a puzzle inside. That's like the message. And we're going to just take it and kind of dump it all out on the table. And then if you see an end piece, make sure you bring it around so we can try to get this thing together. Amen? 
you amen. Thank you for amening that. All right. Um, it says the the Bible reads, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he kneeled down and prayed, saying, "Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done." Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for a wonderful day today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all of our churches all around the world that are opening your word and speaking. And thank you for the universal church that's everywhere and seeking your face, hearing, waiting for a word from you. And we just pray that this would continue. You would continue to speak to us and you have something for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, greetings from all over the place, but especially uh, Africa, Malawi, Africa, Southern Africa. I've been in communication with them uh, quite a bit. And just to see what God is doing, uh, in May, end of May, we left Malawi and kind of handed the keys over to the vehicle to a new driver, you know, rookie, rookie driver. But they're amazing, and uh, the the leaders there, the church there is just wonderful. And doing, I think God will do exceedingly above what we could ever ask or think uh, using His people, and much more than what we could ever do. And because it's His Spirit and it's His church anyway, so He's going to build His church. And uh, the the vision for our personal family is that we're here for a season, and uh, we have a vision to, to go to Namibia, which is on the other side of Southern Africa. And they've already started; a team has gone there already, and they, they're starting a church. They had their first service um, this past a week ago was their first service, and they just they just got a place to meet. They just started renting a place in Windhoek, and um, it's it's a great it's a great vision for what God's doing in that part of the world. And I think this is a great picture for us uh, as we think about God's calling in our life. I've heard this portion of Scripture taught a few different ways. Uh, that one, Christ, when He asked, "Father, if you can let this cup pass uh, from me." Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That he was talking about the separation that he would endure on the cross. That for the first time in eternity, uh, eternity past and an eternity future, the only time that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit would be ever separated would be the time that Christ would be on the cross. And that separation is what Christ said, if, if there's another way, other than us losing fellowship for that time while the sins of all the world, past, present, and future, is on my body, if there can be another way, please take this cup from my hand, Father. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I like that idea of uh, the, the closeness that Christ had with the Father and with the Holy Spirit that was constant. And we have the same opportunity. We can have the same opportunity in our life where we can have our own preference. We can have what we want 
uh, in our life. But then we, we have the heart of God and the mind of God that's put in us. And we say, Lord, if this can, if this situation can pass, I don't want to have to go through this situation, but if it could pass from me, please take it away from me. I don't know if I can bear it, but you know me better than I know myself. And not my will, but your will be done. And I can, th- you can think of that for the family that's going through the, the horrible trouble that they're going through that we had the face to face service. God will meet them in that situation. And look at the next verse that you see here in, in Luke 22. In verse 43, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven and strengthened him. Isn't that amazing? God, God says, you're gonna, you're gonna drink that cup. The Father said that to the Son. But I'll, I'll be with you as you go through the process. And we have that same opportunity. And, uh, this became re- very real for us. I mean, we as a family, we had a vision to go straight from Malawi to Namibia directly. And in our mind, we had it prepared. And we weren't, we weren't thinking to come back for a season to Baltimore. But the leadership said, think about it, pray about it. And as we were making decisions, it became, you know, became more evident that this is the right decision. And it's, you know, we, in, in missions, you know, we have our whole plan. We have support that's been raised over a long period of time. And there's a fear that if we, if we stop this forward momentum and forward progress, all this is going to be gone. We're going to lose our momentum. We're going to lose our vision, maybe. We're going to get, you know, we're, we're going to get tied down with the, the things of life. But God says, I'll be with you. I'll send an angel. I'll come alongside you. And you, and we say, okay, God, not our will, but your will be done. And, there's another place in the scriptures that I think this happens, and it's in Second Samuel chapter five, if you want to turn there. And this is the man that's after God's own heart. This is King David. And this happens to him uh, just the moment that he becomes the king of Israel, there there comes an onslaught against him. Has that ever happened to you? You make a good decision? For God, you trust God, and then all of a sudden an attack comes against you. And this is throughout, throughout history, this is what happens. It's in 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 5, and it's in verse, starts in verse 17. And this is such, I love this portion of scripture because, you know, David is, is a man that, that was seeking God. And, you know, this can happen to us. I listened to the message this morning with Pastor Matt, and I just, I loved it. I loved it. I loved just thinking about that. The thing that he said this morning, that uh, the two times that God, when Christ came, there was the rich young ruler and there was another Pharisee. And one, the rich young ruler, he, he was really seeking God with an open heart and, and really wanting an answer. The Pharisee, you know, he had a different motive. He was asking a question, uh, you know, what, what, what can I do to have eternal life? He was asking a question to try to trip up Christ. 
And I feel that in every person's life, God will break them down to move them from that wrong motivation and maybe the sarcasm that they would talk to God with or the, or the arrogance and bring situations in their life to bring them down where they ask questions to God from a, from a sincere heart. And David, David found this very quickly. As a young person, he just became close to God. And in verse 17 it says, When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard of it, and he went down to the hold. He went down to the place where he met God. Right, The hold is like in the wilderness. That, that place where he and God had fellowship, the place where he would run away from King Saul and some of his trials, and he would, he would find God in the wilderness. Sometimes that's where we get the closest to God, is when we're in our wilderness situation. And we say, and we get what, what we heard from Pastor Shower just now, we get beauty for ashes. My capacity is like a pop balloon, you know? The ones that you have to make a dog, those, uh, those balloons that they make, balloon animals, and then your kids play with them, and then they get popped, and then it's just like the head of the puppy, and then the whole body is like, spaghetti. You know, God, here's my capacity. This is all I got. <laughs> what can you do with this? And God says, I'll give you beauty for that. I'll use that pop balloon animal for my glory. I'll, 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 I'll fix it, right? A smoking flax he won't quench. A, a bruised reed. Remember Pastor Stevens used to teach what that was, like the reeds for a flute. And those reeds, once they're cracked, they're good for nothing. You can't use it as a musical instrument. It can't give a proper note. But God says, I'll use it. I'll fix it. And here's David. And in a similar situation, like Christ was in. He's in Gethsemane. He has all the demonic forces that are against him. Here is David. He's anointed king. And now all of his enemies come against him. And then it says in verse 18, The Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord and said, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them in my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thy hand. That's like eternal security for me. Like, God, if I trust you, will I be with you one day? Will I be in your courts? And God would say, doubtless, doubtless you'll be with me. Go go live your life to my glory. Don't be afraid of failure. Because doubtless you'll be with me on the other side. Did you ever hear that story? I, I think I heard it in Bible college about, and I, I love this story. I don't know if it's true. Hopefully it is. That the Golden Gate Bridge, when they were when they were constructing it and repairing it, they had a lot of people that were falling off the bridge, and then they had the wonderful idea to put a safety net under there. And they put that there, and then the fall, they had far less people falling because they knew that there was safety there. That's like what God is saying to David. Doubtless, you will win. So David, so David goes, uh, in verse 20, he came to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there. Isn't that a great word, smote? Got to work that into our modern day vocabulary. I will smite you. 
he smote them there and said, The Lord has broken forth upon my enemies before me as the breach of waters. And he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And they left their images, that's the Philistines, and David and his men burned them. Like, you know, their idols, their gods were no match for the true God. And I think that's true in our life. When people ask what we believe and we give them the answer of our faith, we give an answer, it's, it's no match. The idols in this world are no match for what we have in our heart. The idols in the world can't help someone when they go through the valley of the shadow of death. So we burn them. I don't need them because I have the one true God. There's no image that could, could, could portray him. He's the, unknown, he's the unknown God. You can't see him, but he's everywhere. So this is the part that I think connects with Christ on, in Gethsemane. David, he has a great victory and now something happens again. And verse 21, or sorry, 22, And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Now, this is like the same situation that David just encountered. He just encountered the Philistines coming up. He just had a wonderful victory. And now the Philistines come the same way. And David could say, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna smite them the same way I smote them before. We should conjugate the word smite. Uh, I'll smite them the same way. And, but he doesn't do that. He inquires of the Lord. And I think this is like saying to God, not my will, but your will be done. In Bible college, you know, a lot of students are saying, there's a lot of decisions that I can make with my time, but I say, God, what do you want from me? What, what would you like me to do? Not my will, but your will be done. And David says that here to God. He inquired, and it says David inquired of the Lord uh, again. And he said, and God said something different to him. I love that. God is, God is so unique. God said, no, you're going to do something different. This, this verse really spoke to us. You know, should we go into this new country like we went to Malawi? Should we go? We're ready to go. We have everything ready. And God says, no, you won't go up. You'll go a different way. He says, you'll not go up, but you'll fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when you hear the sound of the going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you'll, they'll, you'll bestir yourself. For then shall the Lord go out before you to smite the host of the Philistines. God, David, you got the first victory. Now God says, now I'm going to go before you and I will fight for you. Isn't that amazing? And I think of every person, you know, we have our own desires. For, for us, sometimes it can be like an idol. You know, I'm a missionary. God, I, I, I have influence, you know. I enjoy that. People, you know, when, when people ask, what do you do? I can say, yeah, I'm a, mission, I'm a foreign missionary. And that can become like an idol. And God could say, can you just be a member in the body? Ah, no, 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 I'm, I'm a leader. And God said, no, maybe you need to receive for a little bit. And then can I take that and say, God, okay, here, I'll put that on the altar. Because that's not, 
What's important? Is that going to get me through a cancer treatment? I've done this in the past. No. It's my relationship with God. Can I take that and put it on the altar and say, okay, God, not my will, but your will be done. And put it there and say, okay, the issue in, in life is not what we've done in the past or what we're going to do, but the issue in our life is knowing you, God. And in closing, um, the past few weeks I've been working a job where I drive and make deliveries. And uh, it's it's been a wonderful, unique time. And, you know, I work with a bunch of guys that I've worked with for a long time. Every summer I'd, I've done the same job for almost 20 years. And this this time was really special. Um, one of the guys that work with us, uh, his name is Josh Baldwin. Maybe a lot of you know him and his dad, Moses Baldwin. He's been in the Navy for the past, I think, 15 years. And he always brings some of his um, friends to work at, at the job that we do. And, you know, we work with a lot of believers and also a lot of non-believers. So a lot of times when we're done working, a lot of guys will go and go drinking and different things like that. But almost every night we were together with some of his friends. It was, it was, it felt like a, a moment in John chapter three where they're asking, you know, uh, asking questions to Jesus. What, you know, Jesus said, you must be born again. And how can I be born again? And asking these kind of questions. And every night we had, uh, these questions from some of these guys that were Josh's friends, uh, really sincere. You know, how do I know that this is true? How do I know that, you know, you're a pastor, you're a missionary. How do, how do you know what you've been doing all these years is really true, is really real? And one question that really came, that's a simple question, uh, was like, like, what is, what is faith really? What's the purpose of faith? You know, if I don't even really believe in God, what what could faith be like? And I didn't want to give like the standard Hebrews 11 verse, you know, one answer because it doesn't have the capacity or it doesn't even have that mindset in his mind. And I asked God, like, God, give me something for this guy who has a sincere question. And I feel like God gave this answer. Like, you know, faith is the relationship that you have with your daughter you know you that's that's faith you love that child and you're conveying the love to that child what you want from that child is a response do they recognize the love that you have for them and that response to the love that you're giving is faith they trust they say, that, oh, my dad or my mom really loves me, cares for me. And they just smile. Maybe they don't, they don't know how to say, thank you for loving me, mom or dad, but they just, they love being near. They give you a hug. And that's what God wants out of the human race. He loves his creation. And he gave his life for his creation. And he just wants a response, a simple response. Will you trust me? Do you trust that I love you so much? That I would give my life for you. Pastor Matt said that this morning. When he, when Christ looked at the rich young ruler, he loved him. That's the only place it's written is in the book of Mark. That's why many scholars think that that rich young ruler was John Mark. Because he's the one that recorded it. Because it was real to him. 
And Galatians 5, 6 says, a faith that works by love. And so, if we know that, if we know that this is the heart of God, and God puts a decision in our path, and He says, I care about you, I love you, you're my child, can you trust me? Can you say, not my will, but your will be done? And we say, God, I can't do that. I'm unable to do that. And God says, I'll put my heart in you. How about I put my heart and I'll put my mind in you. And if you will just submit to that mind and that heart, you'll be able to say it also. And I think it's a daily, That's what to me, that's what taking up the cross means every day. I say, God, I know you want what's best for me. Not my will, but your will be done. And then God says, all right, here we go. Here, trade in that broken balloon. I'll give you something. I'll give you a Ferrari. <laughs> right? I'll give you this for your life. And, and, and it is the best. It's the best life that we can have. Amen? It's the best life. This is the best life to be in communion with the Almighty God and to just respond to His love. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you so much. This is so good. It's so good to have this kind of fellowship. The world is looking for this, knocking on all kinds of doors to have what we have as a gift. And it's fellowship around you, Heavenly Father. Maybe somebody's here that's never received God's initiation of love towards you. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He died for us. He gave His life. He took our sin. He shed His blood. And then He rose from the dead because He is God. And He says, you have that life. If you've never received Him, just respond to His love and just say, I trust you. I trust you love me. And you care for me. And if you prayed that for the first time, just put your hand up for a second and put it down. I think all of us are believers, but even on the Internet. I say that in Malawi too. I'll say that even though we're not on the Internet. I'll just say, and anybody on the Internet, <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe someone records it somewhere. And Lord, thank you for our fellowship and bless the rest of our night. In Jesus' name, amen.